I know you're what you're probably thinking, three weeks with this guy? Um, I talked to Pastor Nate this morning. He sends his love, and he told me he misses home. He's ready to be back. But are you thankful for our pastors? Come on, let's show him some honor. He's, this morning, he's um, in like the Houston Spring area, and he is ministering at his uncle's church. And then, of course, last week, uh, they were sick. I, I'm pleased to announce that everyone in their family is now healed. There's no more sickness in their household. I think five out of six got it. But um, I'm so grateful for this church. Whether you're new to Skybreak, this is your first time here, or whether you've been a part of Skybreak Church for a long time, you are a part of the family. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> you are part, we call it the family of choice here at Skybreak Church. Look to your neighbor, say, you're my family. You're my brother, you're my sister. <clears throat> I'm so thankful to be able to stand on this platform this morning. And I would just want to say on the onset, um, you know, I don't have it all together. There's some things in my life that I'm working through, but I'm thankful for the presence of God. And I'm thankful that we can come into a house like this and bring all of our issues and all of our mistakes and the worries of life. But we can come together in a room like this and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Because I've learned whatever you magnify, it's like a magnifying glass. When I was a kid, I used to burn ants, right? Anybody do that with, with a magnifying glass? But whatever you magnify is going to get bigger in your life. So you can magnify the problems if you want to. You can magnify what's happening in the news if you want to. But I choose to magnify the Lord. I choose to lift up the name of Jesus. Because when I focus on him, everything else seems smaller. I want to talk about that today. Um, as I was getting ready for this message, um, God was just speaking to me. There's some things I'm working through in my own life. But I want to talk this morning. We're going to be reading. You can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. As you turn there. Thank you. We stand in honor of God's word. We can stand for a lot of things. But we stand in honor of God's word. Romans 12, 1. I want to talk about worship this morning. Say that word, worship. I want to break this scripture down. I got, I got one main verse today, but there's so much in here that I don't want to overlook. And so we're going to break it down piece by piece. But if you're ready to receive the word this morning, let me know. Are you ready? Are you ready? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, this is Paul talking. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about living a life of worship, living a life of worship. Odds are when I say the word worship, you have different images that come into your head. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's, um, you know, a moment where you were worshiping God. Maybe like me as a kid, I remember uh, being in the house of God and people waving banners and flags and having a good old time. So maybe this word worship, you're not sure what it actually means. But I would, I would suggest to you that it's more than a song. It's more than just singing. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because if I asked you the question, are you living a life of worship? Could you honestly say, yes, I am? You know, we tend to approach worship casually sometimes. We 
tend to approach the presence of God like it's ordinary, but it's not. You know, we can watch men in tights run around on a field for three hours, but sometimes we come into the presence of God and after 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm gonna sit down on board. We can watch fake superheroes on the movie screen, but when it comes to the presence of God, sometimes if we're honest, we've gotten a little, little lax. And this is not a condemning message. This is not a, a judgmental message, but I think it's important for us as a church, as a body of believers, to get back to a place of pure worship. This world, this culture, our society needs worshipers. I'm not talking about good singers. I'm thankful for this team. Are you thankful for our team? I'm biased, but we have a pretty good team. One of the best. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Worship is more than that. And that's what I want to talk about today, living a life of worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for bringing us into this room. God, I don't know what everyone is facing this morning, but you do. You have every person here on purpose, for a purpose. And God, if, if there's breath in our lungs today, you're not finished with us. To the person that feels defeated, God's not done with you. To the person that feels hopeless, God's not through. Though the sorrow may last through the night, his word says, the joy comes in the morning. And so God, I thank you today that I would get out of the way. Lord, I pray that I would be a good teacher of your word, true to your holy scriptures, God. It's not my words that's gonna change people, God. It's your scripture. It's your word, Jesus, that's gonna change hearts. And so we thank you. Lord, I pray that we could get vulnerable today. I pray that we could open ourselves up to what you wanna do. And if there's any distractions, anything that's trying to hinder whatever it is you have for us, God, I just pray that we could lay those aside. God, we focus on you. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You could be seated. <clears throat> Moment of honesty here. And this is the participation thing. Have you ever come to church and life wasn't good? Like maybe life was kind of kicking you around a little bit. And so you came to church and you found it hard to worship. Can we just, oh, I'm up here by myself. Y'all, y'all got everything together. You want to preach? If we're honest, there's been some times in my own life where I come into this church and the music's playing and I'm not feeling it. You know, every, every single one of us go through seasons in our lives that we may wish never have happened. There's some things that you've probably faced that shouldn't have happened, but they did. And so you come into an atmosphere like this where we're singing about the name of Jesus. We're lifting up a song to our creator, but you feel abandoned. You feel betrayed. You feel hurt. Maybe you're battling with depression. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you have a heavy heart for your child who is far from God. And so you come into a place like this and we're singing about the name of Jesus, but you feel numb. You know, there's been some times in my own life that I've faced, faced some, some, pretty, some pretty dark times, and I'm not here for a pity party, but there's been some things and even some things that I'm currently facing that I'm struggling with, if I'm honest. But I always have a choice to make, and you always have a choice to make. Do I allow what's happening around me to affect how I worship God? 
Or, somebody say or. or. Do I worship God in the middle of my pain? You see, it's easy to worship God when everything is great, when the music's loud and the, the singers are singing. I really wish I could have this team just follow me around and just encourage me all week, but it doesn't, look, it doesn't work like that. So it's easy to worship God when things are great, but what about when things are not? What about when you've been praying and God hasn't answered the way you thought he should answer? What about you've been believing for that miracle to come through in your life, but God is holding off for some reason? So we see Paul in this book. He's writing the book of Romans. Now, if you don't know Paul, just a quick uh, rundown of who Paul is. Paul used to be named Saul, not to be confused with King Saul. His name was Saul, and he, he was a Pharisee. He spent his life persecuting Christians, people who called themselves Christ's followers. He would have them captured. He would have them tortured and even sometimes have them put to death. And so Saul had a radical encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and Jesus changed his name to Paul and he went on to write like two thirds of the New Testament. And so Paul is writing this book of Romans and um, he's explaining to us what worship looks like, but he goes through a bunch of stuff to get to that point. So the book of Romans, just to give you a little context, is written as a letter from Paul to the church of Rome. The Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire. And in this letter, he's telling people of Rome everything they need to know about the gospel. He's telling them everything they need to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. So chapters one through 11, he goes through a variety of topics. He talks about humanity's sin, how uh, we all have sin. Uh, matter of fact, Romans three says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. He goes through that. He goes through the law as it was written in the Old Testament, he goes through God's forgiveness. He goes through God's mercy and his justice and his, uh, his forgiveness to forgive people. And then he goes into the message of Jesus, that we were dead in our sins and Jesus made us alive. He talks about how we can be saved. I say this scripture quite often, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he's explaining all of these things. And then he gets to Romans chapter 12, which is where we pick up our text for today. That's why the sentence starts with therefore. Just a little Bible study tip. If you ever see therefore, read before that so you can know what's happening. So he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So before we get any deeper into this scripture, I want to lay the foundation of worship and the foundation of all worship is to glorify God. The foundation of all worship is to glorify God. All worship begins with giving glory and honor to God. Worship is not a performance. Worship is not about me. Guess what? Worship is not about you. Worship is about giving glory to the one who deserves it, and that is our heavenly father. So worship is all about giving glory to God. This is the foundation of worship. So we have to understand this before we read any further, because I know it's easy to come into here and be like, oh, they're singing this song again. Like, no, worship is not about you. Worship is about God. You know, we live in a culture that's about me about myself and I. And so it's counterculture. It's counterculture to worship. Truth is, we all worship something, by the way. We all worship something, but true worship and the worship that I'm talking about is giving glory and honor to God. By the way, that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. 
Like when we go to heaven, we're going to be worshiping God for the rest of eternity. And so it has to be a greater priority in our life. So the writer, writer Paul is showing us that in this verse, he's showing us what worship really looks like. And so he says, again, remember, I'm staying on this verse. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, say that word mercy, in view of God's mercy, this word mercy in the Greek also means compassion. So Paul just spent 11 chapters telling us how we were dead in our sins and for the wages of sin is death. We all deserve hell. He goes through all of this stuff and then he tells the good news of Jesus Christ that we were dead in our sins, but Jesus provided a way out of our sin, a way out of our shame, a way to cover our guilt, to pay the punishment that we deserve. He goes through all of this and he says, in view of all of that, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. In view of the goodness and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus Christ going to the cross, paying for our sins, taking the punishment that you and I deserve, in view of all that, maybe don't approach worship casually. Like, maybe make it on time. In view of everything that Jesus has done for you, Paul is saying, maybe don't approach the throne room of God the Father as ordinary. You see, we live in a world of convenience, and hey, I'll be the first to tell you, I love DoorDash. $20 for a sandwich? Sure, why not? But true worship worships in the face of inconvenience. True worship is a posture of the heart, saying no matter what, inconvenient or not. Remember last week I talked about dying to your preferences. So Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, after everything I just talked about for the first 11 chapters, after all of that, in view of everything, in view of God's compassion, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say that word, living sacrifice, words, living sacrifice. What does that mean? You know, sacrifice is a word that, you know, you probably don't hear a whole lot um, outside of the church. Maybe um, you don't have a, a true understanding of what it means. But when Paul is saying this, he's referring to the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, they had to make sacrifices to atone for their sin. They had to sacrifice an animal. Blood had to be shed. Remember, Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, something had to die. So in the Old Testament, what would happen is the priest would sacrifice an animal to atone for the people's sin. And we see this in Leviticus chapter one, Leviticus chapter one, as you turn there, verse six through nine, we see God instructing them what to do with a sacrifice, how to worship. He says in, in verse six, you are to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priests are to put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. Then Aaron's son, uh, sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the wood that is burning on the altar. Verse 9, you are to wash the internal organs. Can we just pause and say, I'm thankful that we don't have to do this every Sunday? It says, wash the internal organs in the legs with water, and the priest is to burn all of it at the altar. 
It's a burnt offering, a food offering, and an aroma pleasing to God. So when Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, their mind would have went to something similar to this. You see, the biblical idea of sacrifice concerns the way of approach to God, finding acceptance before him by means of an acceptable substitute offered in place of the sinner and bearing the curse of sin. So that animal that was sacrificed would, would replace what we deserve, which was death, would replace that and become an atonement, become a substitute offered in place of us, bearing the curse of our sin. And so Paul is telling them, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You see, our sin nature wants to do the opposite. Like our sin nature wants to do what feels good. This culture is all about do you, boo-boo. Like whatever feels good, do it. Paul says, no, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Romans 6, 13, still in the book of Romans, he says, do not offer any part of yourself to, a sin, uh, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So this is a sacrifice. Paul is saying worship is a sacrifice. Worship is passing out of my own ownership and into the ownership of God. It's giving up my independence for what God wants. Now, I'm not saying giving up your freedom, like you're not going to be able to do anything that you want. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I live my life in such a way that I'm bringing glory to God, not to myself. I'm sacrificing for God what God wants, not what I want, but what I want. And so my next point is true sacrifice is full submission of your life to God. Full submission. This is essential. Remember, I'm not just talking about singing songs today. I'm not just talking about turning on Caleb and getting a little feel-good moment in the car on the way to work. No. Submission is a word that we don't like. But Paul's telling us this is what the sacrifice of worship is. It's essential to worship the complete submission of our lives, willing to serve Christ no matter what the cost. And here's the thing. If all I do is come in and sing a song and I only worship when the song feels good or I like the song or it's from an artist that I like, if I only worship then, it's just a, it amounts to dead rituals and it doesn't involve me laying down my life. So if, if someone would like, you know, let's say they like some weird, quiet music that I don't like, but they lay down their lives, their worship is more pure and more real than mine. Psalms 134, verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. You see, this is our sacrifice to God. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Maybe it feels out of the ordinary. But we do it because it's what God asked us to do. Not because it's what I want necessarily. It's because God asked me to lift my hands in the sanctuary. This is the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice because it's not necessarily about what I want. It's about what he wants. You see, my wife, um, she, she loves the movie Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I know. Um, she loves romantic movies, and I don't. But I watch them 
Why? Because I love my wife. I worship God, not because I always feel like it. And by the way, most of the time I do. Most of the time I feel like it, but there are moments when I don't, but I worship God because it's what he wants. And so Psalms 141 verse one and two says, this is David. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So it's a sacrifice. So if I come in here and I approach worshiping the God of the universe casually, it's not a true sacrifice. In fact, the Bible calls it sin. When I come in and the songs are singing and the music's playing and I'm, and I'm, and I'm singing the lyrics, but it's nothing in my heart. There's nothing there. It's not a sacrifice. When I'm in my home and I have an opportunity to, you know, watch Netflix for 17 hours, which I've done before, or have the opportunity to spend time in the presence of God, what do you choose? This is a sacrifice. There's a story, and I don't have time to go into it. It's found in Leviticus 10. And this is about Nadab and Abihu. The Bible says they made a sacrifice. They, they, they made an offering of incense, but God didn't accept it. In fact, it calls it strange fire. Another translation says it's unauthorized worship because God had told them to worship a certain way, but they wanted to worship the way they wanted to worship. And God said it's unacceptable. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Are you thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ? That, that doesn't happen. But what it does mean is that I've got to approach worship as a lifestyle, not just singing your song or two. At church, if the only time I'm meeting with God is here on a Sunday, then I'm missing out on what all God wants for my life. Let's continue. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, is this speaking to you this morning? I love you. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Say holy. This word holy means to be set apart. It means to be different than what's going on around you. And what I love about this word, as I was doing the research, this word holy in this context in the Greek literally means the most holy thing. It is pure. It is blameless. And it is beautiful. And so my point is this, you are never more holy or set apart than when you are living a life of worship. And it's not your own righteousness. It's not your own holiness. It's because of Jesus Christ that we're made righteous, a life completely surrendered to Jesus. You are never more set apart than when you are living a life of worship. Romans 12, 1, it says holy and pleasing. Say pleasing. Holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. This word pleasing literally means acceptable. It says when you live your life in such a way that glorifies God, when you live a, your life as a sacrifice of praise, as a sacrifice of worship, it says it is acceptable to God. But when I come in with an attitude or I come in and I approach worship casually, I'm just asking the question, is that worship acceptable to God? Because again, it's about becoming a living 
sacrifice. That's what makes it acceptable. And so when you accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, when you live a life of worship to God, when you lay down your own preferences and you offer to God a living sacrifice, the Bible says your sacrifice is accepted by God and you can enter into his presence. In the Old Testament, that's what they had to do. They had to burn sacrifices And only certain people were allowed to go into the presence of God. But because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we can come into worship. We can lift up holy hands and we can proclaim the name of Jesus and we can enter into the throne room. We can enter into the presence of God. We don't need someone to do it for us. We don't need this team to do it for us. We can enter into the presence of God. And here's what I've learned. No one can offer that sacrifice for you. We can all enter God's presence. It's not just about the people on stage, but it's up to you to worship God. And I love our team, by the way. They're phenomenal. And their job is to help lead us into the presence of God. But it's not their job to worship on your behalf. That's on you. Team, y'all can go ahead and come out. It's not up to them. It's up to you. It's up to us to worship God. Worship is a gift. Worship is a gift from God so that we can enter into his presence and be transformed. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be approached casually. And look, I've had days that I've approached it casually. I'm not up here saying like you should, as if I got it together. There's been days where I'm singing the words, but they're not landing, but we've got to get to a place where we are living a life of worship. That when we come together in his house and we sing these songs and we spend time in prayer throughout the week, that our worship grows out of a relationship with God. It grows out of our prayer life. You see, worship is a choice. And true worship means worshiping God when things are good and when things are not so good. My life doesn't have to be going how I want it to for me to worship God. God help us. If you're facing struggle this morning, odds are you either are or you have. If life is hard and you don't feel like worshiping God, can I just give you some advice? Worship God anyway. Worship God anyway. You see, I don't worship God based on my feelings. By the way, most of the time, like I said, I do feel like I love worshiping God. I'm a musician. I love songs. I love music. I love the word of God. I love prayer. I love worshiping God, but I don't reduce my encounter with God to an emotional experience. I don't have to feel good to worship God. All hell can break loose in my life, but you've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision that come what may, hell or high water, I will worship God because he is worthy of my worship. And I love them, but I'm not counting on them. I'm not counting on their worship. 
I'm counting on my worship, my sacrifice, lifting up my hands to the Lord, lifting up my voice to the Lord and proclaiming the name of Jesus. Worship God anyway. There's been some times in my own life and I'm just gonna be vulnerable for a minute. I wasn't planning on going into this, but there's been times I've sat right here and I've, I've literally slapped the ground saying, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I will worship you anyway. Like, I, I hope you hear my heart coming out this morning. I hope you hear what I'm, what I'm trying to convey to you today. Life is hard enough, but like the song saying earlier today, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. Because when you put your focus on God, when you turn your attention to Jesus, it doesn't necessarily mean that your problems go away. What it means is I'm magnifying the Lord. I'm lifting up my creator. And instead of focusing on my problems, which don't have any power to save me or deliver me or to heal me, I'm focusing my attention on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords saying, no matter what comes my way, no matter what I'm facing, no matter how hard or how dark it gets, I choose to worship God. It's a sacrifice of praise. And so here in just a minute, I'm going to give us a do-over. I'm going to give us an opportunity to encounter God. Maybe you came in and worship and you weren't feeling it. That's okay. There's grace for that. But I'm going to give us an opportunity here in a minute to step into the presence of God and worship the Lord together. Worship releases the experienced presence of God in your life. We all know, or maybe you don't, that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But we don't always feel or experience him. But when we offer a sacrifice of praise, there is always a divine response. God always shows up when his people worship him. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we come together to worship God. I'm not just worshiping God here on Sundays or at youth on Wednesdays or when it's convenient. No, I spend my week worshiping God. And when I bring my faith and you bring your faith, there is something supernatural that happens when we come and worship God together. You see the power in our worship is when we've been worshiping on our own and we come together and worship God. I don't show up like, worship team, what can you do for me? I hope they sing that song I like. No, I show up for an entire week worshiping God in the highs and in the lows, lows, and I activate my faith with your faith, and we magnify the Lord together. You want to make the devil angry? Worship when life sucks. Worship when life is hard. Worship when it's difficult. Worship when you probably shouldn't be worshiping according to what other people would say. We all worship something. Something has our affection. I don't know about you, but I want God to have it. Only God deserves that space of ultimate affection. There's been times in my life where I pray, God, forgive me for making it about me. Forgive me for singing empty words. For 
forgive me for praying prayers that I really didn't mean. God, you deserve that space. You deserve the throne, not me. You deserve my worship, nothing else. Only you deserve that space of ultimate affection. And we can worship God by living our lives in a way that's different from those around us. Living a life of worship doesn't mean just waiting on the songs. It doesn't mean just waiting for Sunday. It means constantly walking in gratitude, constantly thanking God for what he's done, thank God, constantly worshiping him. The first thing I do when I wake up, and again, I'm no better than you, but I've just learned some things along the way, but the, my day starts off better when I start it by giving glory to God. God, thank you for waking me up this morning. You didn't have to. Thank you for giving me breath in my lungs. Thank you for giving me another day this side of the ground because you didn't have to. I'm not promised today. I'm not promised tomorrow. So what I want to do is I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet this morning. And like I said before, I want to give us a do-over. I want to give us an opportunity to enter into the presence of God. The team is going to lead us in a song. And maybe... Maybe for you, it's time to like step out of your comfort zone. It's time to, to sacrifice a little bit. And maybe for you, that's raising your hands. Maybe for you, that's coming down to the front. Maybe that for you, that's hitting your knees. Whatever that looks like, it's a sacrifice of praise. And God always honors sacrifice. Sacrifice always brings a divine response. So we're going to sing. The worship team is going to come. And then I'm going to come up after. But just enter into this moment like there's no one around you, like it's just you and God focused on him, worshiping him because he deserves it this morning. Clear the stage and set the sound, the lights are late. If that's the measure that it takes to crush the idol. All the decorations too Till the congregations Fuel and have revival Tell your friends That this is where The party ends Until you're broken For your sins You can't be so sure Seek the Lord And wait for what and know the grave is your reward, so just be open, cause you can sing all you want to, yes you can sing all you want to. Read. 
we ask for forgiveness for putting other things in the place that only you deserve our success even our families God your word tells us to seek you first put you first and all the things that you have for us all the things that you've willed in our lives to happen or for us to do, God, if we put you first, you'll take care of that stuff. So God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be Sunday worshipers, but we would carry your presence into every aspect of our lives. That we would spend time in the quiet places. That we would spend time in our bedrooms or in our offices or in a closet or in the living room, or on the road, wherever we are, God, that we would magnify your name. God, the heart of worship is to give you glory. We were put on this earth to glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything Jesus did for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true 
and proper worship. In Leviticus 22, he's giving instructions for what is the acceptable sacrifice and what isn't an acceptable sacrifice. And Leviticus 22, 19, it says, you must present a male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats in order that it may be accepted on your behalf. Do not bring anything with the defect because it will not be accepted. That's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus came and he gave his life for us. He became that sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb that was without blemish or defect. So how were we made right with God? How does our life become an acceptable sacrifice before God? There's only one way, and that is the blood of the lamb. Jesus is our lamb without blemish. He is perfectly sinless. He provided the sacrifice in his death on the cross to rescue us from sin and restore our relationship with God. And we receive that sacrifice, and in return, we offer our lives to God and worship. The only way that we are made right before the Father is by receiving Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to atone for our sins. Romans 10, 9 said, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not about our good deeds. It's not about working harder. It's about handing over the reins, giving Jesus control over our life, offering our lives back to him. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. Isaiah prophesied about it, told us he was beaten beyond recognition and that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we could be in right standing with the creator of the universe. And it's only through his sacrifice that we are washed in the blood, that we are covered and forgiven of all of our sin. The Bible says when you accept Jesus into your life, that your sin is forgiven, your past is wiped away. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible tells us that that's how our sin, that's how far our sin is separated from us when you receive forgiveness. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to extend an invite this morning. Maybe you've never made that decision and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to make him Lord and Savior. John 3, 16 tells us, for God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only son, that if you would just believe in him, you would not perish would not die, but you would have everlasting, eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. 
And when you receive that sacrifice on the cross, when you receive what Jesus did for you, your sin is covered by the blood of the lamb. That's Jesus. And you can walk in confidence, knowing that you are a child of God and that your eternity is secure in heaven. So if that's you this morning and you wanna make that decision, I'm gonna count down from three. And I wanna pray a simple prayer with you, the prayer that we just read in Romans 10, nine. But I wanna know who I'm praying for this morning. If you wanna make that decision, I'm gonna count down from three and I just want you to slip up your hand so that I can agree with you, so that I can pray with you. One, two, three. If you're in the room this morning and you wanna make that decision, I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Come on, if you're a believer, keep praying. Keep praying because this is the point in the service where the devil would like to distract people. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Whether you've prayed it before or not, pray it to support the people making that decision for the first time. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. Make me a new person. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven, that I could spend eternity with you in heaven. I accept your sacrifice. Lead me, guide me for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Yes, church, can we celebrate? with those who just made that decision, whose past was wiped away. Welcome to the family of God.